We'll get into the word of the Lord today, see what God has in store for us this morning. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with us to the book of Daniel, the second chapter, I'll begin with verse number 45, the book of Daniel. Daniel, the second chapter, reading one verse, verse number 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. I want to preach for a little while today from a little thought that I have pondered over for some time and I'll use as a title this morning God doesn't need your hand in everything. God doesn't need your hand in everything. Could we pray this morning that the Lord would help us? Lord, I pray against distractions today. I pray against, Lord, anything that would hinder us from being able to focus on what you are wanting to speak to our hearts today whether it be through my word or by impression of the Spirit, by your word that goes forth today. Lord, I pray, God, that as we speak this morning, that every mind and every heart would be subject to receive the word of God this morning and that faith would arise in the house and that we would see you, God, working everything for our good and working in everything in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. Earlier in the book of Daniel, it is more clearly described what is revealed in this 45th verse. The scripture here declares and describes five kingdoms, and the kingdoms that are described here in the book of Daniel, uh, and in the interpretation of the dream, uh, it becomes very clear that as the king was asking for the interpretation is. Daniel begins to unfold, he describes a kingdom, and the first kingdom he describes is a kingdom of gold, and as he describes the kingdom of gold, it it represents Nebuchadnezzar's reign, and then this text prior to, uh, becomes more clear prior to our text this morning, that as well there is described a kingdom of silver that is mentioned in our text. And it represents a weaker kingdom than that 
of gold. Of course, one could, could see that clearly and it being gold and then silver being the weaker. And then there was a kingdom of brass. And the kingdom of brass was a kingdom that would rule over all. And then there is a kingdom of iron, and iron being representation of a very strong kingdom uh, that would break all the other kingdoms apart. And then there is described here uh, a kingdom that is part clay and part iron. And the fact that it is not uh, a singular thing, but clay and iron, uh, represents a divided kingdom. And it represents a time when uh, that kingdom would be completely divided. And then comes into uh, play here in this text something that jumps out. And it is uh, a stone that is revealed. And the revealing of this stone, um, the, the scripture says that it was a stone that was cut out of the mountain. It was hewn out of the mountain without hands or without a man's hand. And so as we look at this text and as it unfolds, uh, in our study, we began to more clearly see that this stone that is cut out of the mountain without hands, of course, how could such stone be cut out of the mountain without hands except it is a stone of a miraculous uh, origin. It is a stone that uh, comes from uh, a source that is beyond the hands of man. It doesn't need a man to step in. It doesn't need a man to meddle in the business. But this is a stone that is of a divine origin. There are some things that God will rely on you and I to do. We, we are to be witnesses. We are His workmanship. We are... Uh, to provide in the kingdom of God the, the labor of hands and of feet and of voices. But then there are some things that becomes very clear uh, in the scripture that God does not need our intervention. It is better left alone as far as our meddling. There are some things we are better off to pray about and not to talk about. There are some things we're better, better to put in the hands of the Lord rather than to get our hands involved and to mess up sometimes, oftentimes, what God is trying to do. It would be better that we would just let God do what God is doing rather than we intervene in something that God is trying to work. I've seen people uh, mess up things that God's trying to do so many times that uh, sometimes you, you, you kind of wonder. I, I, I've seen services, I, I've been in church services, uh, where that uh, I want to just say to those that are in leadership, thankfully not here, uh, but I, I've been in services, conference services, and 
visiting other uh, churches sometimes when I want to say, if, if, if you'll just get out of the microphone and let God go ahead and work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, God's trying to work here, but you keep uh, preventing God from being able to move. I don't ever want to step in the way of God. I don't ever want to meddle in the way of God, whether it be in, in the service of preaching or in the service uh, of leading worship or in the service of pastoral guidance or counseling or leading people in whatever way. I don't ever want to get in the way of God. I don't ever want to advise people away from God's plan. Uh, woe be it to someone who would advise somebody away from God's plan and out of God's purpose. But uh, I want to always be uh, align my words with God's word. I want to always align my thoughts with God's thought. I don't always get it right, but I don't want to be one that gets my hands involved in something that God is trying to work out because I, I came to tell you this morning that there are some things that we're better off just to leave alone and let God work because He doesn't need my hands involved. He, I'm better off just to pray about it and say, God, uh, help me just keep my hands back on what you are trying to work out here. Because if I will just, you know, the, the Scripture gives us a whole, there's a thread through the Scripture that says that He will fight if we will just be still. And uh, he, not only is God fighting for us, but there's times when we don't even know what to do. But if we, the, the Scripture said, when you've done everything you know to do to stand, just stand. Just stand, therefore, and, and let God come through and let God work for us and let God step in and come on the scene. And so here is this stone that is cut out of the mountain and it is cut out, it is hewn out without hands. And this stone uh, was a powerful stone. It was a stone that was able to break iron. And it the stone broke brass and it broke the clay and it broke the silver and it broke the bronze. Meaning that this, this stone that this text is speaking about of a miraculous origin is a stone that is, it is much stronger than any of the other metals that would have had the meddling of man's hand. It was uh, this stone that was hewn out of the mountain was more powerful. It was more rigid. It was, it was a str strong of this miraculous origin that what man has meddled into and what man has purified gold and purified iron and, and, and used its resources and put its hand involved. Uh, this text is very clearly stating that there was a stone that was hewn out of a mountain without the hands, without the meddling of man. And it's a more powerful stone than anything that, that man has ever touched. Now this stone, uh, th there's a stone that seems to always show up uh, through the scripture. It, it shows up when Israel is in times of crisis. It shows up when uh, when leadership is in times of need. It, it showed up in a sling uh, of David and it showed up when they were building Solomon's temple. It was another stone that was hewn out and was put into place and such a great incredible uh, passage that is relating here to this to this uh, interpretation of a dream because this cornerstone of the temple was 
put into place and it was put into place uh, uh, and when it was placed there the scripture said that not even the ring of a hammer was heard. It was it was so that uh, it, during its construction of that great temple that no hammer was heard and no ring of a piece of equipment or a hammering or the meddling of man's hand. I, I, I got to tell you I, I know that uh, today they are still researching on how possibly could have this temple been so pre-constructed that it was just moved into place and put there and uh, everything went in without the sound of a hammer and they're saying uh, it, it just seems almost impossible. I, I believe that it's just as impossible as the stone that was written about that was hewn out of a mountain. The word hewn doesn't mean that it just popped loose and came out but it was it was cut out of a mountain and yet it was cut out of a mountain without the hands of man. There's only one one explanation that I have this morning for a stone that could have been hewn out of the mountain without a man's hand was that it was a divine origin. Yes, it was, but it must have been that God literally and physically, everybody say the word physically, that God physically cut this stone out of the mountain with his own hand. It was that God intervened with his own hand. I wish somebody would let me preach just a little bit today as I tell you there are some things in our lives that we must surrender and submit and say, God, this battle is too great for me. This sickness is above me. This thing that I'm dealing with is greater than me. And allow the hand of God to reach in because I came this morning to tell you the things that are impossible with you are still possible with God the stone that you may see there is no way I can move it the hand of God can reach in and can hewn the stone out of a mountain without your hand I come today to tell you that God doesn't always need your resource he doesn't always need your intervention he doesn't always need your hand what we need to do is get on our prayer bones and pray God help me trust you and know you'll work everything for my good to know that you hewed a stone out of a mountain without the hands of man and I know you can work out this miracle you can move this stone out of my life without my intervention oh somebody give the Lord praise today so this stone shows up in David's sling, it shows up in Solomon's temple, and there was a stone that seemed to follow them around as they wandered in the wilderness. There, there, there was a stone that followed them every day they, uh, through, through the wilderness. They wander for 40 years, and that stone's always there. Now, now I gotta ask you how you would feel if uh, you 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 know you picked up the tents and you loaded the the carts and you got everything together and and uh, here here we move through the wilderness and when we get to wherever we're going we stop and I can see Grandpa looking around and saying a myrtle. 
We hadn't gone anywhere. That stone was right there when we left. And now we get to where we're going. And that stone is still right here. Now, I don't know about you, but that would, that would really weird me out. Forty years of traveling through a wilderness, and when you get there, there's the stone. Now, now that's the stone followed them no matter where they went to. They, they didn't pull the stone along with them. They didn't have to worry about the stone getting there. They, it was a job which was not left for them to do. Uh, you know, they, they had to move their tents and their belongings and their children and their herds, and they had to move everything with them. And so when they, they get to where they're going, they look around and voila, whoop, there's the stone. And so here's the stone following them. Now, now that's strange. It didn't require man tying a rope around it, building a cart for it, putting their hands on it, fretting over it, worrying about it. I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody yet. But when they got there, the stone was there. And here's the other part. Now you know in the wilderness that the Lord provided he provided manna, which was the bread. He provided quail, which they just went out and, you know, bushwhacked that thing. Cleaned them up and pan fried them. And there was the manna. But this rock that followed them, from the rock flowed water. Everywhere they go, the stone is there and it's providing the most basic necessity of life. Water. It's flowing. They move, it flows. Now, we understand that God, you know, He, he moved the cloud and He moved the fire. But this rock, do you really think that God with his hand moved a rock? He moved the stone. It's the same stone. that It, I, it, it has to be. It's, it uses the same term. I, I looked up in, I, I, I looked up, I, I don't speak these languages, but I looked it up in all the original languages and, and tried to see if, was there a difference in the stone? Was it a different kind of stone? Was it a different kind of rock? What was the, but it all, it just came out, it's, just a rock. Doesn't mean anything. It's just a rock. It's just everywhere they go, the rock is there. It's, it's, it's just of a miraculous way that the rock just always showed up. And it showed up and from it ran water and it quenched their thirst and it never required the hands of man. Now when we get into the New Testament, we see that the Apostle Paul begins to write to the church in Corinthians in his first letter to the church of Corinth in the 10th chapter. He comes out and just tells them right straight out, in case you're wondering about the rock that followed them through the wilderness. He said that rock had a name. 
And he says, and that rock was Christ. Mm. We could preach about this for a little while. Because the rock that followed them was Christ. It was Christ. Pay attention now. Let me, let me, let me help just a little bit there. There was a stone that our text talked about that's hewn out of a mountain that is cut out without the hands of man that's hewn out of a mountain. There is, there is a rock that follows them through the wilderness. And the rock's name is Christ, and, and that is a, it, that, that stone from it flowed the water. It flowed the river of life, if you please. It was from that stone that came the water. All through the New Testament, it talks about salvation, and it puts it in the term of, of, of water. Jesus talks at a, to a woman at a well that he'd come to get a drink, and, and, and he looks at her and said, if you knew who it was that asked of you a drink of water, you would ask of him and he would give you living water and you would never thirst again. He, he, he was not speaking of real physical water. He was speaking of the Spirit. I come this morning to try to help somebody understand that the rock that I'm preaching about today is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a rock that is always there for you. It is a rock that will never leave you, never forsake you, no matter where you wander for 40 years through the wilderness when you turn around well he is there David put it like this he said whither can I go from your presence and how can I get away from your spirit I go forward and wherever I go you are there he said no matter where I am he said though I make my bed in the very depths of the sea he said when I get there you are already there ahead of me can I preach to somebody today and tell you wherever you are in life wherever life has taken you look around because Jesus is right there. You haven't gotten away from him. He's, he's is right there at the mention of his name. He is there and he is there to provide whatever you need. You need living water. He's there to provide living water. He doesn't need a man to do it for you. He doesn't need your hands involved. Just look to him and he will provide whatever you need. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise today. We can look, we can look through the scripture. We can look through, uh, we can look through life, and, and we can look through the scripture, and we can find a thread of all the things that God did without hands. Here, the rock uh, that is so clear, clearly that was working there for their good. It was, it was done without hands. Here is, uh, in in our text. There is a stone that's hewn out of the mountain that was done without hands. God can do miraculous things without your intervention. There are some things, I always say it like this. The scripture says the things that are impossible with man, what does it say? Are possible with God. The things that are impossible with a man are possible with God. The scripture doesn't say this, but 1 Philip 1 and 1 says this. The things that are possible with man are impossible with God. And here's why I say this. Somebody said, well, God knows no impossibilities. The only impossibility God knows is what you choose to refrain from turning over to him. And we have a tendency to, if we can do it, we do it for ourselves. 
We don't trust God for the things we can do for ourselves. I don't need God. I can do all this for myself. Sooner or later, you're going to run into something that you can't do for yourself. Sooner or later, the doctors are going to look and shake their head and say, there's nothing left we can do for you, but I know a God that still can. Sooner or later, you're going to run into a situation. You're going to say, there's nothing left for me to do. I've done everything I know to do. That's when God can step in. Because when you get to a point that you you can't do it with your hands and you can't figure it out in your mind and you don't have the words to be able to describe it, know this, he's a God that can hewn a stone out of a mountain without the hands of man. He can move a stone through the wilderness. He can guide the stone in a sling of David. And yes, the apostles said it right. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. I come today to tell you the things that are impossible with you are still possible with God because he doesn't have to have your hands involved. He can do it without your intervention. Look at your neighbor and tell him, trust God. It's more than just a cliche. Trust God. It's more than just uh, something just to throw out there. Trust the Lord. Know that when I can't, he still can. Know that when it's impossible with me, it's still possible with God. Know when I've done everything I can do, it's still possible with God. He's still working everything for my good. In the beginning, God said, let there be, and it was. He didn't have any assistance. He hadn't even formed man at this at this time. He didn't have the hands of man intervening. He didn't have the 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 great uh, philosophies of man working. He didn't have man's hand in it. He all he had to do was just speak it, and it came to pass. All he had to do was just speak a word and it came to pass. Let me go a little further and tell you that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day were confused with all the talk about the kingdom than the kingdom being without hands. He even spoke, destroy this temple in three days and I will raise it up again. They they didn't really understand fully what he was talking about, but there's some things that God can do that man cannot do. Can I, can I just share with you a little bit about what God is doing in the church? I believe that in these last days that God is working miraculously through the church. Let me tell you, don't ever bet against the church. Don't ever guarantee somebody that the church is all relying on me because he's going to have a church with us or without us. There is going to be a church. He looked and said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on in the church. Do everything you can do for the church. But when it all boils down to it, it's his church. He's building the church and he doesn't have to have our hands in order for him to do it because he is providing for himself a bride that is without spot and without blemish. Somebody says, Pastor, you trying to tell me that, that, that the church doesn't need our finances, the church doesn't need my labor, the church needs all of it. But what I'm telling you is that if you decide, well, I'll withhold my praise. He says, I'll cause the rocks to cry out. I'll withhold my money. He says, I'll send along a fish to be able to provide. I'll withhold my labor. He'll raise up somebody else to step in the, in the place. He doesn't have to have your intervention with your hands to have of what he has ordained from the beginning. 
Yes, he is. Colossians chapter 2. The scripture starts talking about a circumcision that was made without hands. Now that's strange in of itself. Because in fact, it's not talking about a fleshly circumcision as we might think by looking. It is speaking of something that happens supernaturally. It is speaking of salvation because circumcision was part of the salvation process for the Jews. It was a requirement for their salvation. But today, there is a salvation that is offered to us and it's only a typology in this text because he began to talk about, the apostle began to talk about a circumcision that is made without hands. It is the cutting away of the old man in order for there to be a newness of life that is generated within us. I come today to tell you that when it comes to salvation, it, it does not require the hands of man. It is something that God does and God does alone. When you put your faith in him, and your trust in Him, when you begin to believe on Him, when you repent of your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive sin. Well, what about that person? They can't seem to forgive me. All that is required is that you repent and God will forgive. It doesn't matter how many people try to withhold it from you. Somebody says, well, I wonder if the church would accept me. It doesn't really matter if the church would accept you or not accept you. All that matters is that Jesus will accept you and a church that won't accept what Jesus will accept is a church with a problem in of itself. That's why the scripture says, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I come this morning to preach that you are in a church. You are part of a church that is not going to withhold something that God has already released because he's already said it is a circumcision without hands. It doesn't mean need man's intervention. If God's able to forgive and to save to the uttermost, then we must allow them to be added to the church. No matter what their background, no matter what their education, no matter what their financial status, if God says, I will forgive, let them be part of what God is doing in the church. Salvation is an act that is without the hands of man. As a matter of fact, everything that God does through His Spirit or by His Spirit is done without hands. Let me break this down and make it a little more clear for you today. Everything that God has for you comes by faith. Look at your neighbor and tell him it comes by faith. It comes by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. So everything that God does for you will come by faith. It doesn't require your hands. It doesn't require your action. He doesn't need your hand involved in everything. He says when it comes to, when it comes to, to what I have for my people, I, it's going to come to them by faith. In other words, I'm not preaching some sloppy religion that just says, oh, just believe everything and everything just happens because you believe. But I am telling you that without faith, it's impossible to believe the Lord. And so therefore, we know faith without works is dead, and we understand that God is expecting us to do our part. I'm not preaching something that is a false doctrine today, but I am coming to tell you that what God has for you comes by faith. You've got to receive it by faith. 
If you need healing today, it comes by faith. If you need salvation today, it comes by faith. If you need a prayer answered today, it comes by faith. I've never seen anybody healed by the hands of man. Man, somebody says, well, have you ever been to a doctor? you ever seen a surgery? Absolutely. But you know what? The surgeon doesn't do the healing. He does some work on you, but then there is a space of time of healing for things to be put back together. And that is a work that is beyond the surgeons. They can't form and make the body healed. God formed the body where it will heal over time. Everything that you need comes by faith, and God will provide it without hands. It will, he will do it without hands. Somebody said it like this, man's extremities are God's opportunities. That means the things that you cannot do for yourself is an opportunity for God to show up and do. You see, everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to be in a shape where they have to have a miracle. See, we, we, we all want a financial miracle, but none of us want to be broke. We, we all want to see divine healing, but none of us want to have the diagnosis. We, we, all want, we, we, we all want to figure it out. But I, I've got to tell you today that there are some things that you cannot do for yourself. You've got to trust the Lord. I'm going to wrap this up very quickly this morning. But I came today to tell you that not every battle that you get into do you need to get your hands involved in what God is doing. There are some things that we need to get on our, on our, on our prayer knees and begin to say, God, this battle's too great for me. God, this kid, I, I I can't handle. Ain't nobody gonna get. Ain't nobody gonna help me today. God, God, this is, this is out of control. I can't handle. It. I've I, I've got a work situation, and, and then you know I got this boss, and they they just won't listen. I I, I got this situation. I got this financial. I, I got this bill. I can't pay. I got this. There are some things we need to get down on our knees before the Lord and begin to talk to God and say, God, I've done everything I know to do. I have worked. I have labored. I've tried to bring peace. I've tried to speak a word. I have labored over it. I have cried over it. I have worried over it. Ain't nobody going to help me preach this morning. I, I have fretted over it. I have been frustrated over it. I have stayed up all night over it. I, have, I haven't eaten in a week over it. Oh, ain't nobody going to help me preach this morning. But I'm telling you, there are some things that you're never going to be able to do for yourself. There's some things that you can never figure out. There's some things you'll never work out on your own, but you're going to have to put it in the hands of the Lord and declare the word of God. For the battle is not mine, but belongs to the Lord. Let God do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I close with this today. Sweet little lady in a church that I grew up in. Her name was Sister Denby. I'll never forget the story. They came in, said Sister Denby was going in for surgery to prolong life. They had given her a terminal diagnosis. They said that she could go through surgery and have treatment. They, the doctors would be able to prolong her life. But there was very little hope and very little that they would be able to do. Sister Denby was one of those faithful ladies. She was always at church every time the church doors was open. She was always at everything that was going on at the church. She was just the epitome of faithfulness. She lived a godly life. She was at prayer meeting. She was a joy to be around. She was a great, great lady. 
She had raised a wonderful son. He was one of the most effective leaders in the church where I grew up. He was always involved in leading. God had blessed him in many ways in his life. He's still one of the most faithful men in the church where my brother attends today. Sister Denby came to the front on that Wednesday night. They had withheld the news from the entire congregation, and when they broke the news, the church immediately began to travail. They called her forward to pray for her that night. She came to the front of the room. I remember I was sitting on the front pew right over on my left side. I remember just a spirit of travail came over the congregation. People began to weep and intercede. The church gathered around. We began to pray. I remember my pastor stepping to the pulpit and saying, Sister Denby, I'm gonna, I just feel that God has done a work for you, so I'm going to ask you to do one thing. You're going in tomorrow. Before you go in, I'm going to ask you, would you tell the doctor before I sign any papers, I'm going to ask you to do one more test. Would you just do one more test? She said, that I'm going to do. She showed up the next morning. They were preparing her for surgery. When she got there, she said, I'm requesting one more test. They said, this is going to delay the surgery. This is going to throw everything out of schedule. I'm not sure the doctor's willing to do that. She said, let me talk to the doctor. The doctor came in. She told the doctor exactly what happened. She said, last night at church, I was prayed for. And she said, I feel that God did a healing work. The doctor said, look, we have ran tests. They are conclusive. The diagnosis is certain. It's sure. I really feel that you probably need to let us just move forward. She said, but we prayed. And she said, I got a feeling that God has answered prayer. She said, would you, would you do this work? The doctor said, I understand your faith. And I've met people like you before. But you don't understand that without my intervention and without the intervention of medical science, you are not going to be able to live. This is so important for you to understand, Miss Denby. And she said, you don't understand my God. I'm not telling you I'm not going to have surgery. I'm just asking you to run one more test. He said, there is a test that we can run, and we'll run this one very quick test. We'll be able to delay the surgery and still get it done today. We'll run this test very quickly. And then at the conclusion of that test, we will move forward with the surgery. She said, I agree to that as long as the test comes back. Conclusive with all the other tests. But if it comes back inconclusive, or if it comes back with a definite answer that the cancer is gone, there'll be no need for surgery. They wheeled her out and took her down the hallway and ran the test. You already know where the story's going. The doctor came back and walked in the room where Sister Denby was, and he said, I can't explain it. He said, you're absolutely right. He said, this test showed absolutely no cancer. He said, we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to run some more tests because 
It's possible that maybe we made a mistake. They ran another test and another and another and another. And four tests later, they came back and said, you don't need any surgery. Something has happened. I came this morning to try to encourage somebody to tell you that whatever you're facing in life, it may not be physical, but whatever it may be that you're facing in life, that God can do what you can't do for yourself. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Why don't you just lift your hands toward heaven and just ask the Lord. Speak over your situation right now and ask the Lord to make a way for you. Ask the Lord to meet your need this morning. Ask God to work it out for you today. What you can't do for yourself, He's still able to do this morning. Go ahead and talk to Him today. Go ahead and talk to Him today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Open the altars this morning. If somebody in the house today wants to come to the Lord today and say, God, I'm bringing my need to you this morning. I'm putting it into your hands today. My situation is too great for me, but it's not too great for you. I open these altars to you this morning. Come bring your need to the Lord today. He'll make a way for you. Come on, sing as they come. Oh, I got stronger. God, you are
shoulder, take them by the hand, whatever's appropriate, but connect with that person next to you that is standing by you right now. We're going to pray over this entire congregation because the Lord is going to do a great work today. I believe he's going to do a great work today. Come on, let's pray together one for another in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the authority of the Word of God, I speak healing, I speak help, I speak deliverance, I speak hope. I speak, God, whatever the need may be, that you would supply it and meet that need according to your riches and glory and according to your excellent greatness. We will praise you and we will magnify you and we will honor you, Lord, for you're the one that's going to make a way. Lord, that stone that is impossible for us is not impossible for you. We look to you. We reach to you. We put it into your hands this morning. Make a way out of no way. Let faith arise. Let the Lord arise. Let our enemies be scattered today by faith in your name and by your word and by your power. And we glorify and magnify your name. And we thank you today, Lord, for you're going to make a way out of no way. Make a way for us. Make a way for us. And we rejoice in you today, God. Oh, somebody help me praise him this morning. Help me praise Him today. 